And the Lord began to speak to my heart. And what he began to say, he said, uh, I have chosen and I have set up everything that is needed for my church to succeed and to prosper in any situation, any economic situation. He says, I have given my word and I'm not a liar. And in giving his word, he also said that there are seasons that I have set up. There will be seasons that I have set up to do great things in your world, in your, your life. And when he said your world, it's not talking about United States or Canada or whatever. He's talking about my world, my family, my home, my life. And he says, as I have chosen you to be pastor of Valley Community Church, I am going to tell you this is about a two-hour situation of, of discussing hearing in my spirit what the Lord was saying. And he said, uh, there's going to be amazing chaos. And he used the word amazing. There's going to be amazing chaos because the chaos is something that he, is, he has set up something great for the kingdom that the anti or the enemy has come to bring chaos. But because he knew chaos was there, he said, I have set this up so that chaos would abound. Now, the Bible tells us that chaos is not from God, but chaos is from the enemy. And so then that's when the way I am is I stop for a second and I said, wait a minute, you're shaking up my doctrine here. And uh, confusion is of the enemy. And so after a while, I went to the scripture, you know, because I wanted to tell God, you know, what he wrote. And uh, that's supposed to be funny. <laughs> you know how those times where you think that you know more than God does, trying to tell him what he needs to do. And he said, no, I have set up my kingdom to rule and to prosper in the midst of chaos. Chaos comes because you're doing the right thing. Chaos comes because you have set the standard. You have authority over it, but there are many that don't walk in my authority, so chaos exudes out of their life. They react. We, see, we saw this yesterday and Friday of all the things that went on that is awful, that is satanic, that is going on. That's chaos of what God has set up to do right. Then he said to me, he said, now what I want you to do is I need you to begin to write some sentences here that I'm going to give you. And I began to write some things, and then in the process of it, he said there are two keys. And he didn't give me the two keys for about a month after that. But what it did was it, it opened up my spirit, and this is the title, The Two Keys to Becoming an Excited Extravagant Giver. Now, in the process of that, I, I, I thought, you know, Lord, are you going to have me teach on giving finances and tithe and offering and all the different things? And the answer that he gave me was yes, but I'm going to have you teach that so that they understand the whole picture of what giving is about. See, God has created the heaven and the earth. He created you and me in, in his image. And in his image, he created us, and we are in his likeness too. His character, the Bible says that 
that we are a peculiar people. A peculiar people means that you belong exclusively to some person. That's what peculiar means. That you belong to a specific character, and that's God. That you have gifts and you have abilities that is so amazing. There's that word amazing again. It's because when God looks at you, he sees amazing. When God looks at your abilities, he sees amazing. When God said, he says, I, Jesus said that I've come and, and when I leave, I'll, I'll give you gifts. And these gifts are pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets. But as you see in Romans, that there are gifts that he's given to mankind. All men, all women. And we are to realize that what you have in you, he's given you everything that pertains unto life in this world, your job, your home, everything in this life, and the spiritual life. It's given you everything. It's a done deal. And so what he began to uh, do with me in, in preparing the series, he began to zero me in to thinking about many of you as individuals. And then he began to describe to me gifts that you had, gifts that you have, gifts that you uh, use in your life. And in this reality, we must understand that giving is priority for the body of Christ. And I'm gonna have, this is gonna be in this series all the time, but giving is the, the forefront of you receiving in your future. And it's not just giving of your finances, it's giving of the gifts that you have. It's giving of love, it's giving of grace. We hear in the chaotic world how so many people are offended. The Bible says to give grace to those that spitefully use you. The Bible says to give to that to give into that. Because in the kingdom of God, you are to be a giver. In the kingdom of God, you are not to be offended. Mark chapter six tells us this great story of how that they became offended with Jesus. And just before that, miracles were happening all over the place. And immediately after they got offended, he could do no miracles. It stopped the moving of God. It stopped the kingdom of God doing what it's supposed to be doing. You see, you are a unique individual that has a unique ability. When you learn the key in the life of giving, what happens is your life then is set up for the future. It is set up for the future because giving into the kingdom always meets you in the future. This is what God is showing us today. And I'm going to be teaching you in the next six to seven weeks, possibly eight, is I'm going to be giving you this revelation of kingdom giving, to become an extravagant giver, to be a person that everywhere you go, you are looking to be a giver. Now, there is a specific anointed ministry of giving that some of you have. But every one of us must take what God has given us and give it away. We need to choose to stop being offended. That, you know, 
How many of you, just I'll raise my hand, how many of you have ever been offended? Isn't that miserable? But God's already given you an ability not to be offended. How do you do that? You give back. You give grace. And when you do this, you enact the plan of God, and the kingdom of God prevails all the time because we have become givers. I want to show you uh, a, a video of a lady who has taught music, choir, and English for many, many years, and then one day she found out that she had cancer, and she had to go through many of the things that cancer uh, does to you, and also uh, going to the hospital and all the chemo. She had lost her hair, her hair starting to grow back, and it was her first day back at school. And because she was a giver, her future was met with many students that wanted to give back to her. So watch this. I love my students, and I want them to have the best opportunities so that they can thrive. High school choir teacher Gabrielle Watson recently took seven months off to successfully fight multiple myeloma, a cancer found in white blood cells. She thought she was arriving at this Chicago school for teacher interviews, but some of her former students were secretly waiting to greet her. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Miss Watson, who has been teaching at the school for the last 17 years, couldn't contain her emotions upon hearing their rendition of Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I found. One of her past students, season 10 finalist on American Idol, Peter Frank, coordinated the surprise for his beloved vocal teacher. Amazing. Frank says that Miss Watson once gave him a tux for a chorus competition because he couldn't afford one. Because of you, I'm everything I am today. And I really thank you. The video is part of Kleenex's Someone Needs One program, which is challenging people to be aware of opportunities to show that they care. I never thought I'd see them all together like that. This is great to feel loved and that what you do matters. We're sure this will be a day that Miss Watson will never forget. Be sure to watch Inside Edition. Amen. See, what's inside you is something that God gave. Whether you're here and you know Jesus or you don't, God gave you a gift, God gave you an ability to enact the kingdom of God, the promises of God. And so what we're going to do is we're gonna spend many weeks learning how to be an excited, extravagant giver. Now, I have preached a few messages on giving, but I believe this one's gonna be the best. I believe giving to the Lord, the Lord's work, is the most tormenting and difficult issue for most believers. Many believers are tormented by the issue of giving. 
Many of you, when the concept of giving was presented to you, like it was when it was presented to me years ago, immediately you struggle with it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is receiving an offering to the saints in Jerusalem. What's happening, the background and what we're going to cover here today is in Jerusalem there was a lot of affection for Paul and at this time Jerusalem was going through a tremendous difficulty and a difficult time. And in this time it was political and it was economical. Sounds like today, huh? So Paul was raising funds from the church at Corinth and sending it back to the saints. What Paul is doing is what all pastors do. The only difference is he's writing part of the New Testament. I'm going to say that again. What Paul was preaching, what Paul was writing, is what all pastors do. But the difference is what Paul was doing was hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and was writing part of the New Testament. So this is what I'm saying. What Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is doctrine and revelation that is so important to the spiritual health of the believer and the church. So let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Pastor Dan was trying to get your cheerfulness out of you during offering today. And God is able to make all grace, everyone say all grace, all grace grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Paul is writing apostolically to help them overcome their objections to giving. How many of you, don't raise your hands, but how many of you are like that? I'm raising my hand when I first heard about the giving, that I objected to it. I looked around and I said, "Uh uh-uh. So in here, what we're going to do is we're going to find two keys to giving and overcoming objections. Church, once you get this, it's going to change your life forever. This year is a year of abundance. And a lot of people are saying, I haven't received abundance. Yes, you have. The revelation of the word of God that's being spoken from this pulpit is in abundance. It has been huge all year long. Not because I am teaching, but I want to tell you because everyone that has taken this pulpit has preached revelation that many, many Christians do not have or object to it. 
So once you get these, you will become an excited giver. Now remember, everyone look at me. We're going to be taught like God planned through the giving of finances, but we're going to understand giving is in all areas of our lives. You got that? Okay, so I know in some in here, you might be just like I was years ago, objecting to giving finances. And because of that, you want to shut out this whole story I'm going to give you in the next six weeks. But I'm asking you, as your pastor who loves you, I'm asking you to open up your heart to the truths that are going to overwhelm you with this abundance that Paul was telling the church at Corinth. Matter of fact, no one will need to ask you or an outside force having to talk you into giving anymore. It will be a lifestyle. You will become an excited, extravagant giver. But let me give you some realities now. You do realize we are the only people on earth that can fund God's work. I I need you to understand that. You do realize we are the only people on this earth that can fund God's work. No other groups of people will give to Christianity. I mean, do you see that on the news? Some billionaire says, you know what, I just, I just need my social justice. I just need to give to the church. You don't hear that. You hear things that are opposite of the church. No church can reach its potential unless every person in that church reaches their potential giving-wise. Talking about time, we're talking about gifts, talking about funding in every area. Valley Community Church has given us a tremendous call. God has given us a tremendous call and a mission, and his success is based upon you. Valley Community Church will not reach its potential unless everyone in the church reaches its potential and no one can take your place. No one can take your place of the gift that God's given you to understand and to give into the kingdom of God to reach the very things that God has called us to reach. So let's get real now. The devil wants us to justify not giving, thinking, I don't have a lot of money, thinking, I don't have a lot of time. They're always asking, you know, someone passes away, and I heard someone say this one day, and, and you know, because a lot of times we'll, we'll do food, and a lot of people in our church who lead this, they work hard, they take time off of work time away from their family, and they prepare all this food, this wonderful, I mean, it is like better than hometown buffet. Amen, you do a great job. But it takes people who are givers to be able to accomplish this. And what, we, what the enemy wants to do is he wants us to justify not giving. I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have this, I don't have that. See, when I first started to understand church, I want to be blessed and, obe- and, and be obedient to the Lord. 
And the first day I ever went to church after being a believer confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, they took two offerings. My gosh. One for tithe and the other for missions. They had a missionary there. I was plainly stated, I was disgusted. The world is trying to get my money. I'm 17 years old. The world is trying to get my money. And now the church is trying to get my money. I thought the church came from rich people and fanatics. I thought the money for the church came from rich people and fanatics. Sounds like the world again, huh? So, in this, this thought process, I would go home and I'd be so frustrated. Matter of fact, I'd almost, but I was too young and I almost wanted to have excuse. I had to use the restroom during offering. Again, this is the most tormenting issue for many Christians. I challenge you, reach your potential in giving. I challenge you to see that neighbor of yours that have frustrated you for years. I challenge you to give to them. Because let me just say this to you. God placed you there to let them see him through your giving. Some of your giving could be that you just handle their weirdness when no one else does. Did you know that many Christians never tithe? 80% is the average that do not tithe. Many do not get victory in that. They live their whole life serving God, going to heaven, and they do not tithe. So the question then is this. This is the time frame that I had with the Lord. Why is giving so tormenting? In 2 Corinthians 9-7, you'll see the answer. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Here is a statement again. I know you love the Lord. I believe in your heart you desire to give. But when you get born again, I know you have a love for Christ. And your passions are huge. You're passionate about obedience to the word. You have discovered God and the covenant you have covenant thinking. But here's the answer. We just can't figure out in our heads how we can do what our heart wants to do. There's a battle. Our heart wants to work with that neighbor. Our heart wants to, when we get that phone call, to make the best dish in the world for that funeral. Our heart wants to tithe. Our heart wants to give to the missionary. But we think we need to win the lottery. Let me just say this to you. People ask me all the time, is it wrong to play the lottery? And here's my answer to them all the time. Not if you tithe. I'm not even going to say I'm joking, but I'm just telling you, we have to get, you don't need to even ask the question if you know what giving is. 
Because what is the purpose of the lottery? I'm poor, I wanna be rich. But if you have purpose in your life, you have no need to do anything to make something happen. God has already given it to you, but you need to be an extravagant giver to, to walk in the best that God has given. See, you get quiet when I talk like that. You know, that's what people think. If I had that kind of money, I can be an excited, extravagant giver. You can do what you want today. There needs to be purpose. So let's go back to Paul's writings now. Paul is trying to get the church at Corinth to do what is in their heart. They love their sister church. They were conflicted in what is in their heart and what is in their head. So the keys I'm going to give to you will match your head to your heart. We need to get our head matched with our heart. So before you have the keys, let me give you the four levels of giving. You will go through this as you travel to becoming extravagant. Level four is what we must work to be. Level one is shock and disgust. You get frustrated someone wants your money and the preacher has the audacity to ask for it. Shock and disgust. Level two is grudging obligation at a minimal level. Paul says, do not give with a grudging obligation, but be cheerful. <laughs> Let me just tell you, a lot of times when, when the Lord is uh, telling me to teach on something and really dig into some things, um, I always tell the Lord, and I laugh about it. I said, Lord, uh, can, can you make them say amen a lot when I talk about this? Because when you talk about this, I know, I've been there. I wanted to stand up and say, mm, 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 to the pastor and walk out. Because I didn't understand the truth of giving. And again, let me remind you, it's not just about your money. Level three is committed giving at a level of obedience to God. This is where tithing becomes important to you. I love it. I have people walk around and they're not saying, look, I'm tithing, I'm tithing, but they're walking in because they're excited about tithing. And they have it in their Bible and they walk in to the foyer, and I've been standing there at times, and I say, praise God, pastor, it's time to give. And I just, you know, I just do that. I say, amen, because I know they're excited about their giving and their tithing. And level four, it's an extravagant, excited giving. It's where you're like this. You're looking where you need to give. 
You're looking, where, what can I do now? God, I've given all that I got, but what, what do I give now? Because you understand giving. You understand what giving is. You understand every aspect of what it is. And as Pastor Dan said it, but this is going to be in this message, is that what you plant today will meet you in the future if you give it to the kingdom of God. If you give it in the kingdom of God. It's not just talking about money. It's talking about your time. It's talking about giving your gift. It's talking about going uh, different places. That extra time where it's going to cause you to get up an hour early or stay up an hour late. Because you're excited about giving. There's a purpose. And you know that everything that you do will be given back to you in the future when it's done to the kingdom. I'm going to explain that in a few moments. You know, I I don't believe Terry and I are at the pinnacle of giving, but we are excited to be a blessing. There's a lot of things that we do that we, we don't say anything about it, we just do it. From our family to our friends to just missionaries to you name it, to people who are in the ministry and One of the particular areas that God's given us is to minister to people that are in ministry. And and not just our own staff, but also those that are outside of our staff. And we have mentored and we've had people in our homes, couples in our homes who are in the ministry and we go through their marriage and all different things and we give of our time, we give of our efforts. Times when we can, we'll send them to Disneyland. They'll fly out from other states, they'll stay with us. We'll feed them, we'll give them a car to drive around to the beach, all the different things that we'll do. And, you know, we, we can't do that all the time, you know, because, again, we're not rich. But we're rich in the kingdom of God. And my wife now is in South Carolina helping her mother move, but bottom line, a couple that we've mentored now is going to be moving into our home, and we're going to the home We've, we've allowed them to pick out the paint color. We're making this home, that is our home, their home, so that they can enjoy. And the thing that we said, we're praying that you would save so in three to four to five years that you will be able to buy your own home. And they're in the ministry. And when I say that, I'm not saying that look what we're doing because you don't hear me talk about this often. You hear me talk about us doing things. But I'm just saying to you that I learned from being disgusted and frustrated about giving at first in my life to becoming real close to that extravagant, really excited giver that I look to give. And there are times it's only, it's, it, you know, there are times that I'll say, okay, giving is, I'll tell someone, Every time I see you, I'm going to pray for you. There are people that I'll see. I'll stop in the grocery store, at the club working out, or at the church, and I'll pray for them. That I'm giving that time. It is a focus. There is a purpose of my giving because I'm going to help them defeat the work of the enemy that has gone through their family for generations, and I'm going to stand with them. Now, I can't do that for everybody, but if everybody does that, then every need will be taken care of. See, that's what Paul's talking about. We live to give. Wherever you are at, I want to encourage you to go to the next level. 
to really say, God, I want to be this. I want to do this. I purpose my life. I will change things in my life so I can purpose to give. My wife asked me a few weeks ago, said, honey, where are we going to go on vacation? Because normally we go somewhere and we just get alone and all the different things. I said, our vacations this year is giving to others. And she didn't say, aww. She knew that. Because she thought I was going to surprise her with something. And I said, no, our vacation this year is giving to others. Part of it is our family. Part of it is, is other people. But the reality is, is because that's, we're excited. God, what do you want us to do? Regardless where you're at, let's get to level four. Now, here are now Paul's two keys to help us to reconcile any conflict between our head and our heart. Because remember, your heart, I know, Christians, once you get born again, you want to do these things. But your head keeps saying, you can't. Your head keeps saying, that's stupid. Why would you do that? And your heart is battling, and you become miserable. Number one key is we need to, the understanding the living nature of money, which describes the nature of everything we give to God's kingdom. Notice I said to God's kingdom. In your notes, it's not there. Because when I went over my notes, I didn't explain it properly. And so I added it in Jeremy's on vacation. Let me say it. Understanding the living nature of money which describes the nature of everything we give to God's kingdom. The living nature of money. When you give to the kingdom of God, it's living. When you give to everything else, it's dependent either on something other than God or it dies. And I'll show you that too. Number two key is understanding the loving nature of God. So what is the living nature of money? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, But this I say, who, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap. Bountifully. Hmm. It brings out the term sowing. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Paul says if you don't understand the nature of money, you will not be able to give. So, Listen to this very closely. There is only three things that you can do with money. You can spend it. You can save it. Or you can give it. So let me say this to you. You can spend it, you can save it, or you can give it. If you give money... I'm going to use some terminology here, and I want you to 
just because I, I want you to really separate. I want you to see where your head's thinking and where your heart's thinking. If you give money as a static instrument, in other words, there's basically no purpose. There's, there's just a static, just, I'm just going to do this because I'm supposed to do this, and that money is gone, you will not be able to give the way you want to. What do I mean by that? When the Bible talks about giving money to the Lord, it tells us it's like seed. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Giving money is a living instrument that when you sow it, it will come back to you. That's why God loves a cheerful giver. Who gives the seed? God does. So the explanation is this. If you went to a farmer and told him, if you plant this crop, there's going to be a 100% chance you receive a great harvest, that farmer would be on his tractor dancing every time. There are some in this room, this house, that you were farmers as kids. And you understood if you could plant seed and it would produce 100% back to you, you would be doing it. There would be purpose. There'd be excitement. Every time you planted the seed, there would be just huge excitement regarding giving. The reason why God loves a cheerful giver is because a cheerful giver understands giving is not losing. Giving is sowing. Giving is sowing. Money is alive when you give it to God. You either spend it, save it, or you give it. Now, I'm going to give you a rhyme, okay? What you consume goes kaboom. When God gives you seed, you need to eat your seed sometimes, don't you? You need to have dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Some of you breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, snack, dinner, snack, snack. What you consume goes kaboom. But whatever you keep, goes to sleep. Your savings, your IRA. But let me just tell you, these are things that you need to do. You need to understand this. These are things you need to do. When, because when I was listening about giving, I was looking at my bank account as a young kid, and I was thinking, I don't have much money. If I give this, I have nothing. I can't go to the beach. I can't do this stuff. And, and so I was frustrated. But to see, God's not saying you don't have savings. God doesn't say you don't have an IRA. Matter of fact, you should. We have financial advisors in this church. You need to talk to them. Amen. 
You need to find out who they are. You need to talk to them. Because you need to save. You need to have your iris. But let me tell you, but when you save, it becomes trapped in man's economy. And nothing is guaranteed. Some may argue with that. You listen to the radio. They act like everything's great. I remember I knew this person personally. He was on the radio and in California, Southern California, and he's talking about borrowing and buying homes and all the different things. And I sat down with him for lunch. And I said, you know, I just, I'm just telling you I'm a pastor. I just feel in my spirit it's not a very good time to buy. Oh, it's perfect. It's a great time. Six months later, he had the crash. He's on the radio telling everybody, you, you know, it's a guarantee if you buy a home. And, you, you know, and I just want to tell you, if you have monies to buy, buy a home, if you have money to, to put, it, put it in the IRA, save. My wife and I started saving, you know, $5, $25, $50 a month because that's all we had, but we saved. But it was according to the economy of the world. Nothing on earth is guaranteed. Now listen, if you only consume and keep, you only have the kaboom money and the sleep money. doesn't do anything. The third part of the rhyme, what you give lives. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. When you give into the kingdom of God, it will meet you in the future. Because it's seed and it produces after itself. Money given is only money guaranteed, is the only money guaranteed and it will meet you in the future you have to understand, is that when you see money, it is living, but it is only living when you're giving into the kingdom of God. When you are, are, are giving your time, your time is only living when you're giving it to the kingdom of God. So uh, what do you do when you go to work? Well, I gotta go to work. Well, let me tell you, your job is where you get your seed. So if your job is where you get your seed, then go to your job with a purpose. And love your job, even though you got a mean supervisor. Maybe you're there for that supervisor. If you give, don't become offended, and you give, God will honor the seed, that grace, that power of grace will either remove your supervisor or cause something to change whereby you might be promoted above your supervisor. Then you could be mean back. No, you don't. <laughs> you get to the place in your life that you understand about giving. And in today's day, it's all about being offended. It's all about someone owes you something. It's all about all, that is the chaotic confusion that your head is fighting. Well, it's not fair. <laughs> Church, there's an enemy out there that hates who you are. When he sees you, he sees you spirit. When he sees you, he sees God's gift. 
He sees God's blessing. He sees God's seed. He sees all the blessings, all what can be done. When he sees it and he despises it and he will try to do anything he can to stop it. But guess what? Part of who you are, you've been given all authority to tell the enemy, I'm just going to say it, to just sit down and shut up. Because all he can do is talk to this stupid thing. I'm just talking about my brain that's stupid, not yours. So all he's doing is talking to this thing. And what I needed to determine, what we've learned on Wednesday night, what I need to determine is to take this and to decide to believe God's word. When I decide to believe it, it becomes a belief that gets into my heart. And then because my spirit is hearing the voice of God, and my spirit comes in agreement with that, then what we find is faith. And what we will see is that all things that come against you will be smitten. You will defeat the works of the enemy because you have become a giver. You no longer become offended. I want to tell you, I I learned that, and I think the Lord caused that for me because I was, hmm, what's the word am I looking for? Maybe I should call my mom. Mom, what was I? No, I was, I was really stubborn. I was stubborn. I, I knew what I knew, and that's what I knew, and no one else going to tell me what I should know. And I went in there, and, and the Lord caused things, moved me in areas. I was in places, and I would go to the Lord God. I've done everything you've asked me to do. What in the world is going on? And all through life, the Lord kept saying, just give to it. Take what you have and give it away. There's purpose. There's a reason why you are breathing right now. There's a reason why you have. Maybe you've made wrong decisions. That's, you know what? Have we, haven't we all? But we need to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And once that happens, we're forgiven. Now get up, get on your two feet, and start walking the path that God's called you to walk. But in the process, work hard to be that extravagant giver. Love people when they're really in the world not lovable. When people accuse you falsely, and they say things about you. Just give who you are. Keep giving. Keep loving. Keep caring. Walk in that. Forgive. Don't walk around with unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is an inability to give back. It's exactly what it is. It's an inability to give back. Now, I'm not saying that you need to just lay down and let people kick you. But I'm telling you, walk in wisdom in your giving. Stop allowing the enemy, the world, your job, 
keep you from spiritual things because seed meets you in the future. Giving into the kingdom of God with purpose. We're going to cover this. We're going to dig deep into this. But allow the Holy Spirit today, just say, God, man, I've been there where pastor was. Or say, God, I am there where pastor was. And I'm going to get out like pastor did and become an extravagant giver. And allow yourself to give. You know, this, this church should never have lack. This church should never have a piece of paper laying on the ground. Because givers will see it and pick it up. People who struggle with giving will look at it and say, I wonder where uh, Pastor Dan is. Needs to pick up that paper. Jeremy, where are you? Pick it up. Herman, you're an elder. You're spiritual enough. Pick it up. No. What can I do? Pastor Dan, what can I do? Pastor Ryan, Melissa, what can I do? Keiko, what can I do? Pastor Nolan, what can I do? You know, and there's going to be a day because we're going to be all level four that we're going to be walking around looking for things to do. And sometimes we can't even find it because Oscar already did it or Danny already did it or Ben already did it. Because why? We're all looking with purpose to give. In your neighborhood, at your job. You got a, you got a cubicle there at your job and uh, you're looking and there's a scratch on a piece of wood on the top corner there. And you're working and half the day you're thinking, where is the maintenance people? Go get a scratch pen and fix it yourself. Amen. We struggle. You know, it's just like, it's, and that's what the Lord showed me. He says, I have so gifted you. Why do you allow the little things, the little foxes spoil the vine? You know that scripture? The little foxes spoil the vine. They build the fence around to keep the big foxes out. Well, the little foxes are used to digging holes, so they dig underneath, go, they can't reach the fruit, so what do they do? They chew the bottom, ruin the whole thing. And that's what's happened in our blessings. As we've allowed the little foxes to come in, well, I'm not doing that. They're mean. I'm offended. And every time you're looking, trying to get something in front of your eyes, you're seeing your stalks going, mm, falling down on the ground because you're, you're not giving. When you give seed, let me close with this. Every farmer knows the key to meeting your future needs is in planting your present seeds. Every farmer knows the key to meet your future needs is in planting your present seeds. What do you have today? Give it to the kingdom of God. Let's all stand. Amen.